You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. Today, I'm joined by very special guests, Forma, who just released their album Physicalist on Cranky. Um, they've also done an um, EP in the past for the Bunker New York. They're here. They're going to play um, a bunch of. They got a really bunch of really cool, heady, old, spacey synth records. I think we're going to hear some unreleased live recordings and outtakes, etc. And we're going to have an interview at some point. So stay tuned for the next two hours. This is the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We're here with Forma, who've been playing us uh, some some records. It's been all vinyl so far. Uh, do you guys want to read back some of the records you've played with any commentary? Sure. Uh, I started off with, uh, I don't even know how to say this, Ralph Told, T-O-H-D. It's, uh, it's on Sky Records. Um, Got out of yard sale, and it was a pretty good find. Um, followed by a little piano with uh, Thomas DeHartman and Gurdjieff. Um, that's just a great record that I've been listening to a long, long time. That's a, one that's I, don't know, I think particularly seems to connect with. I don't know. I think a little bit of what we've been up to lately. Right. And uh, yeah, the one after that would have been. Uh track off of Vernal Equinox by John Hassel. Uh, picked that up at a Record Grouch ages ago, and uh, uh, Vernal Equinox, I think, out of all of his work, is uh, one of the most, you know, epic and you know, profound, uh, you know, dimensions of, of the statement that he makes uh, with the trumpet. Uh, that track was called uh, Toucan Ocean. It's okay. Head were we shopping together when you when, we, when you bought that record? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. They were, they were playing it when we went to yeah, the, yeah. the old school record garage in the what basement. What the hell is this? Are you guys all record collectors? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it's yeah. safe to say that we can say that. Yeah, we're record collectors. Did the record collecting come before the synth collecting? Hmm. In my case, yeah. I mean, I I was collecting <laughs> guitars back when back uh, when I was. I think synth collecting, collecting started. <laughs> Well, record collecting started when I was like 10 years old, I guess, because my dad would give me records and stuff. Yeah. But I never considered myself like a record collector, I guess. <laughs> I never really <laughs> so considered recently. myself a record collector. And then you look around my house, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's just like, I, I am, I am a, record a record collector. <laughs> By definition, I collect these things. <laughs> um, what else do we hear? Is that, or is that catching us up? Uh, let's see. Uh, after that, <clears throat> this record... Uh, a friend of mine played for me at my 40th birthday, and it's this group called Tyndall. It's another Sky Records, uh, like very late 70s, maybe early 80s. Um, yeah, I just bought tr- the last remaining copy of that in the U.S. on nice. Discogs, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> nice job there, Brian. That's a, that's There's a still buy. some with European shipping. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty rare record in the States, for sure. Um, I mean, I think I bought my copy. I think I had shipped over back when... It wasn't that expensive to have shit. Yeah. Stuff sh- shipped over. Yeah, the shipping is brutal right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, followed after that uh, was uh, played one of my favorite synthy throbbing gristle tracks, uh, AB7A. And uh, yeah, and then catching up was uh, Space Art, uh, Psychosomatique. Uh, that's a record I picked, in, picked up in Belgium. Uh, again, a refer- uh, that was a friend had recommended it to me, and yeah, and then we're we're ca- then, a little uh, yeah. Go ahead. Then we heard a uh, track from this uh, Tibetan Buddhist rites from the monasteries of Bhutan. Uh, it's a lyricord record um, that was called Lama Norbu Gyamashto, annual ritual dedicated to Padma Sambhava. That's the guy that founded Buddhism. That's, That's the man. That's the man. Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah, Padma Sambhava. Um, Pod- yeah. Padma Sammab. Yeah, it was good pronunciation. That was oh, really good. Thank you. Um, and then we heard uh, Steve Roach Arrival from Impetus, which is, I think, his second record early, back when Steve Roach was still uh, a motorcycle riding badass in California. 
<laughs> and then uh, he got soft, and that's what we're hearing now. Structures from Silence, which is oh, Steve. Oh yeah, I have that he, one. Yeah, I really like the soft Steve. Soft Steve is my favorite Steve. Hey, it's but all, not it's all good, Steve. <laughs> um, so I guess we're going to continue with the DJ set. We'll talk more a little later about your album that just came out on Cranky, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for now, we will get back into the music. You're listening to the Bunker New York with Forma on RBMA Radio.
absolutely incapable of doing anything else. He is artifice, insincerity to rule and rule and rule. But that is a great
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We're in the mix with Forma, listening to some Terry Riley right now. Um, what else, what, do we, what did we hear before the Terry Riley record? Um, right before that, we heard Alan Watts, The Onion Chant. And there's a little Alan Watts thrown in right now, too. Um, and uh, before that, we heard uh, A Vague Year from Radio People. And... That's our buddy Sam Goldberg. Sam. That's a modern record. Modern record. That is it's a modern the only record. modern record in the set so far, right? It's been all mm, old jams. Yeah, looks like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got a modern record coming up next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you're, the big news with Forma is you just released your new third album on, yeah. on Cranky, which is a new label for you. Mm-hmm. The record is called Physicalist. I assume people can get that everywhere. Records and digital files are sold and listened to. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it's cranky. It's cranky. They got um, it out there. Yeah. It's nice to buy it from the cranky band camp because you'll get a download. Yeah. Yeah. I've been ordering records from the cranky website for a long time. And actually, when I was talking to you guys about where the record was going to go, I was really excited that cranky was in the running because I've literally been following that label since the first release which was a Le Bradford album right that came out that came out when I was in high school and it was maybe not the very first ambient record I heard but one of and I listened to it constantly mm. and I still I still buy most of the releases on vinyl that come out like they've so that's well I'm gonna eight that's like 20 years of being yeah. relevant to me anyways which is I can't think of any other label that's remained relevant for me for that long yeah, it's very unusual. I mean, I was working in a record store when, uh, you know, in in Harvard Square in, in Boston at that time, and uh, yeah, and Cranky was the the packaging on on those um, on his records, particularly. You know, nobody else was doing. You know, kind of set an entire uh, way of going about putting out records and how they look, look packaging. Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely. So how um, how did you guys connect with Cranky's? Was he are you friends with somebody at the label, or did you just cold call them? Or um, I guess so. Uh, we first got connected with Cranky through Christina Vansu, who's a close friend of mine, and I played synthesizers on her last record, Number Three, which was on Cranky, which was right? on Cranky. Yeah, um, and uh, she basically put us in touch with them so that was the connection and uh, we went from there we when we sent cranky our record and they said we'll take it cool this is the, we're listening to the record in the background right now too by the way right yeah this is collapse of materialists one mm-hmm. so before you guys knew which label this was going to be for or anything you were recording the album you how how was where did you go what did you do and how was this process that like a lot's been made in the i don't know the the one sheet or press release for this record that Mm -hmm. it's maybe a different process than your past releases Mm -hmm. well i mean i think the the thing that's really significant to me was uh i think it was somewhere i got i think it was like july of last year this we all kind of huddled and you know start discussing what we wanted this this next record to be and uh and i think there was pretty much you know a uh 
a distinct decision to to sort of a, a bit of a return to like uh, the initial structure of how Forma went about making the music it made, which was, you know, uh, specifically like using polyrhythmic structures and rhythmic structures that were outside the, the mode of, uh, shall we say, what we did for the, the bunker. Yeah, I mean, you. it's been a while since your first two LPs and now and in between there you did an, an EP, Cool mm-hmm. Haptics, for the bunker mm-hmm. that was... In retrospect, I almost wish we, well, maybe it wouldn't have worked for you, but called that an album. Because I was like, oh, it's just two songs. It's a 12-inch, but it's 30 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much an album. And that was that was quite a departure from the three albums, really. Yeah. Something totally different, different approach. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, I, I think that, uh, I mean, we put a lot of time into just playing that music. You know, what we did with the, the Bunker 12 was something that we were doing live in many different venues. Um, we brought that, you know, that those ideas to uh, some clubs in China. We, you know, we played all over with that. But there, I, I remember very specifically feeling there there had to be like a, a discussion to say, okay, we've been doing this, but maybe for an album, let's do something different. And yeah. uh, and I think that really freed us, you know, in a way because we had been, um, you know, just going around improvising in front of people for improvising our sets for a good amount of time that we were it pretty much set us up to go into the studio and really since we were letting go of the the idea of making music that was fitting for a dance venue it really just opened up possibilities so that's kind of how i see it so we went in for two days and all this came out in two days and i I don't see it as like we didn't go in saying like this record is not dance music i think we just went in saying it doesn't have to be yeah It's an album. I mean, it's. Did you. There's some instrumentation on this album that maybe you guys hadn't used before, like more um, non synthesizer, non drum machines, non electronic. Yeah. How did that come about? Was that. Is that. Do you guys all have history playing pianos and flutes and things? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, all of us, I think, have. our upbringings in either jazz or piano music or, or rock and roll. And I, I think it's always something that's been on our mind in terms of when we're recording with Forma, like what are the possibilities for you know acoustic instrumentation? I think going into the studio, uh, we wanted to try you know new things and see what was, uh, what was possible, what would stick. Uh, and there was a baby grand in the studio. Um, a full grand, not a baby. A full grand. <laughs> Uh, not to mention no, a drum not messing around. Grown up. Grown up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so between that and uh, you know John bringing his flute along, um, I think within you know we were still in the improvisational context. It wasn't like we had you know any uh, preconceived notions of what the acoustic work might end up like. Um, but you know just kind of experimenting with it ended up you know being fruitful. So do you guys uh, improvise? Obviously, there's some improvisational aspect to what you're doing in the studio but is it are you just basically going into the studio and improvising for a couple of days and then taking that material and making an album out of it or are you writing songs what's the process well um we are going to the studio and improvising for a couple of days and making that into an album yeah. that's yeah. that's <laughs> pretty much pretty much what it is i mean there are a few tracks on the album that had sequences that were written by one of us uh, alone, and then we brought it to the studio. But the uh, instrumentation of those songs and all the other parts are all imp- improvised in the studio. I mean, 
we just composed them in the studio. Mm. And, it, and it was a matter of like somebody playing a sequence and then okay, we have about five minutes to everybody get ready and then, okay, record. And then then we go for a while, see what happens. So for the most part, the songs on the album were recorded like live in a take? Or Pretty is much there a lot of post-production as well? With very little exceptions. They're live in a take with no overdubs. Yeah, there's a couple uh, more specific tracks that we... By the nature of them, they were overdub tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, but for the most part, they were. It was live. I think one of the the big distinctions between recording Physicalist and the the previous two former records was we were actually in a professional studio environment, and we made a conscious effort to try to. Well, I guess you could say on the first record, we were literally recording uh, a mix down into a Tascam stereo. It, it's yeah, stereo, and uh, there was it was either the track worked in a live context and you used it or there was an error and you threw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we were trying to do in the studio with Physicalist was capture the uh, improvisational um, context but still have the opportunities to kind of go back, correct errors, maybe do some overdubs, maybe do some post-production that made sense to us but you know, without losing the spontaneity that I think is uh, you know, central to our whole mode of operation. Absolutely. I think it was either your first or second album actually came out on cassette first. I remember having yeah. it on cassette before it came out on Spectrum Spools. Sam Goldberg. Yeah, first yeah. album. First album. Oh, that's what that, okay. Mm-hmm. So how did you, you guys did your first two records on Spectrum Spools. How how did that happen? What's your connection to John Elliott and Ohio? That was Sam. Yeah. Sam uh, played a show at the schoolhouse. I think it was Telecult Powers and... Uh, Forma and Sam Goldberg. I never met them and before, and he's like, "Hey, I gotta have a tape label. I really like what you're doing." And um, we, at that time, we just happened to have uh, we pretty much had a tape ready to go, uh, so that went off to him within a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, he got back and he said, "I definitely want to put it out." And also, my friend John's interested, and I'm like, "John, who?" And then this whole world opened up from there. And I mean, it was, I think we, that happened. We met Sam, I think in October, November, 2010. And uh, the record was coming out on Spectrum Spools in May of 2011. So it was like five month turnaround, boom. Well, it's kind of blowing my mind that that was all five years ago, actually. That doesn't <laughs> seem that long ago that that Tell was me about all it happening. Now. Yep. Whoa. Um, so you, how, you mentioned the schoolhouse for our listeners who don't know what the schoolhouse is, can you tell them a little about it? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, the loft that I've lived at in uh, that I live at in Brooklyn, and that John lives at. And I've been there about 13 years, and we do occasionally put on, um, yeah, we put on performances. <clears throat> and it's our studio, and we practice there, rehearse there. Yeah, and it used to be a school. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say it's like pretty central to your existence in New York? It's it's interesting to me because until very recently I lived in like an artist loft in Brooklyn. And yeah, I saw those photos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, I mean, I don't know that the bunker would have continued to exist as a project for a lot of the last decade mm-hmm. if I didn't have a cheap space with a room for says and I to do our art, host artists, just yeah. not pay a ton of rent, which used to be 
I think why there was so much interesting stuff happening in New York and maybe not that there's not interesting things happening now, but there's very little of this left, like a yeah. large space where artists can just exist and do what they do yeah. and like contribute significantly to the culture. And you, I, you guys still have one of the last seeming seem at this point, it seems like one of the last cool spaces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. Yep. I mean, it's definitely essential to Orma. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at this point we could continue if, you know, God forbid something happens to the schoolhouse, but... Uh, or life happens. Or life happens. You know? <laughs> but to, for Forma to ex exist as it does now, I think the schoolhouse yeah. is absolutely essential to it. You know, speaking as the, the one Forma member who doesn't live in the schoolhouse, I, I, you know, I can still remember back in 2009, the very first time I... Uh, I came over to, to jam with uh, Forma, which was at you know at the time just you know Mark and Sophie and a Farfisa and a couple other synths. And I lugged all of my uh, acoustic drums you know up three flights of stairs in this ridiculous <laughs> building, and I remember going in and, and seeing you know these vaulted ceilings and these amazing acoustics and and realizing that just how crucial space is to you know creating the type of any music really. Uh, and yeah. specifically, or, you know, the type that we make. Art yeah. of any kind, yeah. I, I yeah. was pretty blown away the first time I went to that space. We were talking about it earlier. I'm pretty sure the first time I was in there was the Miss show that John yeah. played at. And that was the first time I heard you guys play and mm -hmm. was just pretty blown away by the whole experience of being at a show in someone's living room, basically. But yeah. it's definitely not your average a big, living big room. Lim big yeah. living room. <laughs> Over the past six years... Uh, I can say that, you know, Forma's studio within the schoolhouse has moved, you know, at least six or seven times from like, <laughs> That's you know, true. Uh, way up on the third floor to, you know, down the main space. And we've mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, taken every nook and cranny up and used it to, you know, create a record. Yeah, there was a time, I think, when we were using, we were, we, there was a time when we were just, we were in a room and we were just using headphones and it really informed, yeah, the different spaces that you work in and the, and the different yeah. approaches to what you do, I think really informs music that you make in the end so yeah this, this schoolhouse has been amazing for that and in, in my own the like i said i've been there for like 13 years so yeah i don't know it's almost a little weird at this point like i feel like i'm walking by ghosts and like you know memories of things pop up every once in a while of scenes I'm, scenes from 11 years ago that don't even feel like the, that they could possibly have happened but yeah i know the feeling <laughs> um let's see what else um you guys you're still doing shows in the schoolhouse, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like we we do shows, um, you know, whenever we really want to. Yeah, we do yeah. what we want to do. Is yeah, what we you're do. not like we got to do a show <laughs> this month. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not about making rent or anything. We like don't really that. see yeah. the schoolhouse as like a a venue yeah. that you can just call up and like you guys got Tuesday night available. Yeah. You know, it's like. When, when there's somebody we love who's in town or somebody has something special or we want to throw a show then we then we do something because it's you know it's our house we live there there's a lot of people that live there and when you throw a show it's a lot of work and yeah. as you know yeah and, and you imagine throwing the bunker at your loft every I, every saturday I, night i had <laughs> some pretty crazy parties in that loft and we of actually course. we reached yes. a point where we couldn't do it but yeah i mean at the schoolhouse you, there's usually dogs and cats walking around and <laughs> you can go yeah. into the kitchen and grab a beer from the fridge and yeah. right wander into bedrooms it's it's quite an experience yeah we do it's, it's like our own curation that's that's the idea so for those of you out there 
please don't call us. We're, we'll call you. We'll call you. <laughs> we'll call you. <laughs> no offense. Uh, but you you guys, I, I missed it because we had our own event going on, but you did a record release party in New York at a different venue, not the schoolhouse, last weekend. Uh, what was what was that venue called? It's a it's a church of some kind, ambient church. It's called well, the Park Church Co-op, and okay. uh, the you know event series that uh, we were working with with uh, with uh, Brian Sweeney is called Ambient Church. Okay. And how did that go? It was great. Yeah, I'm, we're all really happy to be able to play in a space like that. I mean, schoolhouse is huge, but this was a church, and it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, and we had our friend Colin Crow doing projection mappings, which turned out great. And uh, there's a baby grand piano. That was kind of the most important thing for us for the release show, that there be a piano right. so that we can actually play the record. I mean, we can do shows without it, but uh, for the release show, it seemed really important to include that. Um, and uh, the church just turned out to be the best option. Church shows are really cool. Yeah. The acoustics and just the vibe. Yeah, the vibe was, it was very, yeah. it was great. A lot of people turned out. It was really fun. Um, do you guys have more plans to tour the album at the moment? Um, yeah, well, we're planning a tour right now. Hasn't been announced yet, but will be soon. Uh, we're going to tour with uh, Steve Hoschult, uh, also from Emeralds, um, who has a new record coming out on Craigie this okay. fall. Um, so we'll be touring uh, in November, uh, East Coast and Midwest, and uh, early two- 2017 we'll hit the West Coast, um, and then later 2017 we'll hit Europe. Um, so we're hoping to get around. Yeah. Is it going to be a van tour? It will be a van tour. Van tour. Oh, van tour. Yeah. Yeah. Washing socks. Or you, well, or you got to put, you know, you got to put socks on the rider. Right. So every city you get. That's true. Like a pack of socks. Mm. That's the trick. And then you just throw them away. Right. Sorry, environmentalists. Um, <laughs> Organic cotton socks. Yeah. <laughs> No, you just put them all in a bag and then you wash them when you get home and then you keep all the socks, of course. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll continue listening to the album here and you have some more cuts, influences we're going to hear. I know we have some unreleased jams, which we haven't gotten into yet. So we're here for 50 more minutes with Forma. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Your home is your first and most important community. The strength of our country rests on the work of every individual.
Concord, New York on RBMA Radio. We're here with Forma, and I believe we're we're just finishing listening to an unreleased Forma jam here. Do you guys want to tell us a little bit about this, when it's from, where it was recorded, etc.? Yeah, that's 2009, and that's definitely recorded at the schoolhouse in the main space, the Grand Hall. The Grand Hall. <laughs> During a show or no, just, just like a rehearsal or something? That might have been in, that was like in the very beginning of working with, with George that first summer. That was probably within, that's probably like session three, four or five or something like that. Pretty early on, very early on. So this is when you had to carry your drums up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. The idea was I would come in and we would jam and, you know, kind of see if we connected. Um, I'm sure this was just one of many, you know, rehearsal sessions where we were just, you know, riffing and seeing what was working. You know, I, I clearly was listening to a lot of uh, dismemberment plan or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the, uh, the, I think uh, also one thing I can say about this is that th- this is definitely a multi-track. Uh, I think at that time I was recording on like a digital eight track. So there's uh, Sophie and I hand playing uh, like the bass line and everything. And then there's some overdubs on top of it. Fill it out. Cool. Well, mm. thank you for bringing that mm. out. Uh, mm. What else did we hear in the set since we last talked? It was our going list. I'll just go backwards. Uh, before the Forma unreleased track was uh, an excerpt from Music in Similar Motion from Philip Glass. That's on Chatham Square, uh, which is Philip Glass's private press label. It's a nice record. Yeah. Beautiful early Philip Glass record. Um, and before that, we heard a couple tracks from Mark Barreca's Music Works for Industry, um, which is uh, only available as a out-of-print cassette, but uh, keep your eyes open for a reissue sometime in the near future. Anything else you can say about that? Or? That's, that's about all I can say, uh, but just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> keep your ears to the grind. Keep your ears to the ground, to the grind. And that's Interiors was before that? Before that, that we heard Interiors. It's uh, a Wyndham Hill record uh, by this, like... Uh, just uh, a, a Japanese new age group or I guess they wound up on maybe new age by category by the fact right. that they wound up on Wyndham Hill but uh, yeah. I, I believe this is it's, uh, they maybe their their the initial press of that was on a Japanese label and then Wyndham Hill picked it up so love that record that's a good one for you discog sounds out there look for it <laughs> pretty cheap i think still yeah yeah Yeah, i've known i've been looking up a lot of the records you guys are playing on discogs and they're all it's been a lot of amazing stuff that i've never seen or heard before and you're not playing like super well maybe they are rare records but you're not playing super expensive records for the most part here you don't play super expensive records (laughs) (laughs) that says the non-record collector (laughs) that will change you don't play those things no i did play my (laughs) i did play my copy of structures from silence which is a super expensive is it really? Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, it's like not that. It's like 75 bucks or something. Oh, wow. I got it at Terry's in Pittsburgh for three. That's what's up, man. <laughs> yeah. Because people don't know because it's just like, oh, I mean, a while age. ago, probably in the 90s. <laughs> oh, in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. No, 90s. Listen, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a lot of records in the 90s. Wow. At Jerry's. That's good. Jerry's mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Crazy place. Get Still rocking. There. Okay. So we have. Is that all of it, or is there? Uh, there's just a couple more before. Oh. Before that, we heard uh, a spiritual life uh, from Kay Limer uh, on Revenge International, and then uh, there was a embryo track called Zach Gluck. 
which yeah. maybe George can talk about. I know. Yeah, just a, a nice little you know flute solo that I, I think you, know, you could say is relevant to some of the stuff you're hearing on Physicalist. Yeah, and there was some crazy chanting that came in after you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was saying Zach Gluck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Zach Gluck, Zach Gluck. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so you guys, I mean, that's a lot of records. It's like, you guys are like hot mixing ambient records here. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've got like... Keeping it lively. Mm-hmm. John can go and go at this, what he's got over there. Yeah. Are you guys for hire as chill out room DJs? Please contact yeah. us. As of yeah. now. Info okay. at Forma Sounds. That's how you get to, get to us. Okay. We'll, but we'll don't do ask that. them about doing a show at the school Please don't. No. Don't. Thanks. <laughs> None of, you rave, none of you rave promoters then, we know what you're thinking and, unless he, you are harold bud in which case yeah we'll talk to you please please harold bud please contact us not somebody representing harold bud or claiming to represent harold bud yeah how about lamont young at the schoolhouse we could do that that would be pretty cool yeah be more room that. than his space yeah yes. exactly be we nice. need we need to get a lot of shag carpeting yeah i think we could the lighting we could do too that'd be great i know some set designers we could work it out. All right. It's a plan. All right. We'll talk about that. So we've got 18 minutes left here. We're going to stay in the mix with Forma. Uh, speaking of Lamont Young, it looks like that's what's coming up now. The new, the controversial reissue. Um, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio, here with Forma. show is winding down. We've got nine minutes left. Uh, what is what is the track we're hearing right now? This is uh, Ariel Calma Pagnifico from the Open Like a Flute collection on Black Sweat Records, which is based in Italy. Nice. I haven't heard this one. I uh, love the stuff he did with uh, Robert. Yeah. Nicky Ibrillo, that yeah. That got a lot a lot more play than most new records get at my house. <laughs> it's a really excellent collaboration between those two. And I would encourage folks to pick this one up. The album artwork might not blow your mind, but the sounds will. Is this like that, a new reissue that, or a, reissue? a new album? Or um, It's a recent reissue, but I think it's a collection that Ariel has put together mm. a long time ago. But this edition the is The artwork's is beautiful. Yeah, I think it's nice. Right. Is it all flute? It's... There's a lot of flute. I mean, right now you're hearing there's some flute, there's piano, there's some very nice tambura-like synth drone happening. Um, but it's a good one. Um, what else have we heard here? Or is that catching us up? We got a popover record. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that was nice, the piano one. The Mahayana. We heard the uh, uh, popover uh slash Florian Frick solo piano uh, Mahayana Karuna which is from a box set recently recently issued on Soul Jazz Records uh, which is really nice and affordable and if you see it pick it up because there's a cool DVD it's a box there. set? yeah oh, wow. a box set we should watch that later cool um, where on, the, you guys, on the big screen where That's are you cool. guys even buying records at this point in Brooklyn curious like newer stuff command there command. you go Command. What's what's Command? What's that about? Uh, Command is a small shop in the Lower East Side. It's the uh, gravitational center of the Revenge International uh, company, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is uh, very good friends of Forma, yeah. um, and uh, it's just the simply the best uh, record store in Manhattan at this point. Mm-hmm. Now that other music has left us, I know. I mean, A One is amazing uh, if you're looking for dance music. But if you want to get stuff like Ariel Calma, uh, Steve Roach, and uh, other stuff we've been playing tonight. What if I want incense, candles, and plants? Well, you're in luck, my friend. Good, good, <laughs> good place to go. You can get that at Command as well. Yeah. All right. So everybody check out Command. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us here today, guys. This has been a really interesting show. Uh, I guess we have time for one more record. What are we going to hear? This is going to be uh, a track off of uh, a record called Inner Tube by a band called Inner Tube featuring our friend Mark McGuire uh, and Spencer Clark. This track is called Omelette Psychosis. All right. So we've been in the mix with Forma here on The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Join us again. This was a rare, we usually do first and third Thursdays, but this was a rare fifth Thursday. So we will actually be back next Thursday, same time with Stallone, the reducer. So tune in for that. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. <laughs>